Surprise! Hey, everybody. All right, welcome to the JB Font channel, the JB Font show. I am your host, James Fontleroy, also known as Sabrina Salvati. I'm sorry, no, that's not my name. (laughs) (laughs) I have with me today my RBN co-host, Sabrina Salvati, my sister, my homie, you know, it, I am I am extremely excited. You are l- literally the first official guest on this channel. Oh, thanks, JB. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy to have you on. Um, how are you doing today? I know you said it was a long week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I've been busy working on, like, things for roundtables. So I have, like, 70 articles I need to write. 70? Like, yeah. <laughs> what in the world? Why so many? Because I'm taking all of my YouTube videos and writing articles for them for a roundtable. Oh, wow. That's a lot of work. Yeah. That's why I've been so busy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of writing. (laughs) Look, I am. It's hard for me just to read. I fall asleep while reading to trying to write all that. That means you have to literally go through all your own videos, though. No, uh, I remember, I just, I remember what I talked about, so it just, I can just pull it, like, from my head, like, straight from my head. See, this is one of the reasons why I need people, like, savvy around, because, look, I I can't think that deep. <laughs> I just can't. Oh, by the way, everybody in the chat, is there an echo at all? If you guys have an echo, then I can make sure to mute myself whenever... Um, or, or if you guys hear savvy at all, if there's an echo, please let me know. Um, cause I can always mute myself, but yeah, um, this was, you know, uh, something that I've been wanting to do. Um, I've been wanting to have, you know, uh, people in this space that are on, um, to, oh, great. Thanks, Eric. Um, to talk about not just the general things that we talk about regarding politics and current events, but I also want people to get to know us just a little bit better. And this is something that, uh, it, it doesn't dive too personal, but it dives just enough so that, you know, there's, there's a bond between us and the people who, who watch us so that we build a community with them, you know? Um, I just wanted to um, also uh, uh, get into the kind of like the house cleaning. Um, I just want to say that to everybody who's watching, uh, this show is also available in major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can subscribe on there. So if you're always on the go, then you can go on there instead of having to have YouTube open. Um, I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network. You can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please make sure to give this video a thumbs thumbs up. If you're new to the channel, please make sure to smash that subscribe button. And if you do, I promise you cookies. Well, not really, but you know the thought that counts, right? Um, I also want to give a shout out to all my patrons on coffee and thank you for your additional support and know that I am deeply humble and I appreciate your contribution. Uh, the 
um, patrons on coffee. Um, let me see. Uh, oh, here they are. Uh, the patrons on coffee are David Michael, Kush Renata, Socialist Cayman, Rebecca, See the Change, Robin During, Michelle De Village, Spunky Wombat, and Robin. Thank you so much for your contributions. So, Savvy Sabs. Um, <laughs> just kind of a bonus question to start off with. Like, how... That's an interesting name. Like, I could have named my podcast, like, you know, Jimmy Jam, but <laughs> I wasn't brilliant enough to just think of that. So, how did that come about? Like, was there, is Savvy like a nickname or what is it? So, a friend of mine in college gave me that nickname one night and we were at a party. Uh, she was a little tipsy and I was late getting to the party and I walked in and she was like, Savvy Sam. Like, <laughs> and so that was a long time ago, but she still calls me that till this day. She's the only one that called me that. Mm-hmm. And when I was making my channel, I was like, uh, do I want to use my real name? I was like, I don't know. Cause like my job and everything. And so I was trying to figure out what to name it. And then I was just like, well, alliteration works really well because people remember it. Right. I wanted something that people would remember. So I was like, why don't I just go with Savvy Sabs, the nickname that was given to me by, by a friend of mine when I was in college. But, yeah, it's interesting. She's the only one that calls me that. And ever since I started like my show, now people just call me Savvy. It's really funny. Um, wow. But I mean, that's fine or whatever. But uh, she was the only one that called me that. My parents call me Brina. Some people call me Bree. I didn't want to go with Bree because there's already a Bree. Oh. And, but most people call me Sabrina. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, I just want to give some uh, shout outs to people here in the chat. Hey, Holly. Good to see you. Shayar, good afternoon. Indy left. What's up, bud? Good to speak. Good to see you. Sorry, I can't talk today. For some reason, my my mouth is moving faster than my brain. So, uh, Tony Plow. <laughs> hey, you. Whatever, man. Good to see you as well. Um, let me see. Um, of course, Eric Thomas, good to see you as well. Tony Plow, there's organizing, then there's being organized. Yeah, that I definitely got to work on my organization skills. Let me tell you about that. Um, and oh, Quaker, good to see you. Nice to have you in the chat as well. Um, Hey, Uncle Uncle Warren. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a fun time in the chat today. <laughs> oh, you know it's gonna be fun. Uh, Omar, yup, Savvy's in the house. Workers control of production. JB, that's what we've been. Uh, what that's what we've all been wondering. Oh wow, yeah, I can't believe I never told people that. Um. I got to get better at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And Derek, hello. Good to see you. All right. So question time. So this is something that I've been wondering 
Uh, these are just a few questions that I've been wanting to ask. And you mentioned that you worked in education. Now, what was the driving force behind your interest in working in higher ed? Oh, boy, JB, we don't have the time. Um, <laughs> you can shorten it up just a little bit. <laughs> um, so I actually went to school for broadcast journalism and English. And so originally I wanted to go into broadcast journalism. I wanted to do um, I wanted to work in the field, like start out as like a news reporter and then eventually become a news anchor. So that's what I went to school for. Unfortunately, when I graduated, I graduated during a time where the economy was terrible. Mm. Uh, it was really hard to find those jobs in, in particular. Mm -hmm. And I had an internship lined up in New York City and that was canceled. Like the economy was just bad. So I still had to work. And so I said, well, what's something else that I'm passionate about? And that's education. So I actually started working at a restaurant and a retail store at the same time. This was back during the time when everybody was doing retail because there was nothing, there just was nothing else available really. I did retail. Yeah. While I was doing that, I was deciding like, I'm probably going to have to go back to school because even though I had a degree, I tried to get a job like as a substitute teacher, tried to get a regular teaching job, took the exams to, to get your teacher certification that you need. Uh, but I couldn't find a teaching job either. I couldn't even get an interview. And then I got a job working in healthcare, working in accounts payable. That's actually how I found out about the healthcare system wow. and what insurance companies pay and what they don't cover. It's a, it's a really corrupt system. I did that for a couple of years and then I decided to go back to school. So I went to grad school for higher ed administration. I decided to go into the collegiate part. I did volunteering in like public schools, K through 12. So I had like nurses would call this their clinicals, but I had observations that I did in the classroom with different teachers. And I just saw that the public education system was not really going to allow me to make any type of real fundamental change mm -hmm. because the people above you are the ones that call the shots basically. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to help those students and I wanted to work with low income students in those schools. And once I saw how the funding works and that the teachers that come in that want to make a difference, they don't really let you make a difference. You have a couple of years before you can join the union. If you don't get into the union by that time, you're gone. I didn't want that type of stress. So I decided to go into higher ed because I remembered like my college experience. I was a first generation college student. And I just remember like my academic advisor was very, very crucial to like my success in college because no one in my family had gone to college. And so I just remember those people like really being there for me and being supportive and helping me. And I wanted to do the same for someone else. So that's mm -hmm. how I ended up in higher ed. Okay. And, and you come from a military family as well, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. You said <laughs> that uh, er early on you, you spent some time in Germany. Uh, do you know any German? Not anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago. And then when we moved back to the states, like I didn't have anybody to speak German to. Uh. So that's the only thing about like learning another language. Like you really have to practice it, and you stop practicing, then it just kind of disappears. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, so the another question that I had was, um. As everybody knows that you are on the left, just like I am, can you give us a bit of a glimpse of the journey that you have taken 
to come to the left? And what was one of the biggest lessons you learned that pushed you further left? Oh, man. Um, I think like growing up, I was always liberal. I was a Democrat. When I was in high school, I was on the debate team. So I know a lot about politics because of that. Uh, when I went into college, I joined this group called College Democrats, an mm. organization on campus. And even back then, looking back on it, I saw I saw there were some things with the Democratic Party that were just questionable to me. But I was convinced that this is the two party system. You have to pick one or the other. And mm. I identified with Democrats on the social issues. So mm-hmm. that's why I was I was a Democrat. Obama got elected. I really was excited about Obama. I was like, we're going to get change in this country. Things are going to improve. And I think for me, Obama was the biggest disappointment. When I saw that Mm -hmm. when he got into office, he was basically just like all the other politicians that came before him. He was not going to help create change. Um, That was a big letdown for me. And when it was his second, the second election came around, it was him versus Mitt Romney. I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, God, we can't have Mitt Romney. So I voted for Obama again. And then I said, well, you know, he inherited Bush's economy, so maybe we should just give him a second chance. And I was still disappointed second time around. After Obama, I just found myself moving further left because I was convinced, like I fell for the identity politics. I was convinced, well, oh, now we have a black guy who's going to be president. So Mm. he's going to implement policies that's going to help the black community. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, He was just as corrupt as all the other politicians that came through. So then Bernie Sanders came around and he really he was talking about things that I was thinking about, but I didn't say out loud. And so I said to myself, like, oh, my God, this guy is right. Like this guy has to get elected. This is exactly how I've been feeling. So Bernie was the one that really gave me that push. And that was at the point when I decided not to call myself a liberal anymore because I felt like having lived in blue states and I live in a blue state now, I've noticed that a lot of the liberals are just as racist as conservatives. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it's a lot of virtue signaling. It's the same people that will have a Black Lives Matter sign in their yard, but they don't want black people living next door to them. I've encountered yeah. a lot of that in states like New York and Massachusetts. And so... When Bernie came around, that really gave me that extra push that I needed. I was a big Bernie supporter, um, 2016, 2020. And then when Bernie conceded, or excuse me, when he suspended his campaign, after that, I started to realize I was further to the left of Bernie. Because Mm. I don't feel like he should have dropped out. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like he should have pushed harder on Joe Biden, especially that debate that he had with Joe Biden. I felt like there were a number of things that Bernie Sanders could have said about Joe Biden that was not said in that debate. And I Mm. felt like the big piece of the puzzle that was missing is continuing to call out the corporate elites, but not calling out the banks. And that was something that was different from 2016 versus 2020. Calling out J.P. Morgan, you know, calling out the Federal Reserve like that is is very important as well. Mm-hmm. And so I saw Bernie was starting to go along with Joe Biden. We got to get Trump out. That's more important. And I was telling people even back then that it's not going to so be that much saw, of a difference because Joe Biden is just as corrupt. He's been a politician for over 40 years. I was doing a lot of this talking on Facebook and it got to the point where people were like, you should probably just put this on YouTube. Yeah. Like, I love your opinion. 
but these really long essay rants that you have on Facebook, Sabrina, is not really, <laughs> is, is not really the place for this. So that's how that all started. And for me, I've just found myself going further and further left as time goes on, because I realized even some of the things that Bernie was asking for was still kind of a compromise. There's a lot more that we need for people in this country. And I think until you, you know, denounce like capitalism and correct that position, we're really not going to get the things that we deserve in this country. Damn. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, they, they really put us through the ringer, didn't they? As far as making us believe that uh, just because somebody is the same color as us, that they are looking for ultimately the same things. I mean, we found out that wasn't really true, especially when you look at people like Obama. Uh, he was uh, he was a major disappointment. Now, okay, say so anybody is watching that is not black. For a lot of us, black people who are on the left, especially when we learned about who people like Obama were. That was like, that was a smack in the face, wasn't it? Yeah, he he was not on the same level as us, even though he's black as well. He wasn't working class. And this is why I always go back to the class issue when they tout these identity politics and they use people like Barack Obama or Kamala Harris. Those people are not on the same class level as us. They mm -hmm. are above us. They are wealthy. And when it comes to pushing for things for the working class people, they still are beholding to their donors. They're going to look yeah. out for their class. And this is why we constantly get disappointed when politicians go into office, whether they're running as progressives or not, because they're really not there to fight for us. You have to understand the excitement around Obama for black people, like when he ran the first time. He ran one yes. in 08. You have to understand on on television. There were students at like HBCUs, like cheering and screaming, like crying, like it, this was something that was very, a, a very pivotal moment. I never thought I would see a black president in my lifetime. Never. So for this to happen, it was something that was really, really, um, I guess, an inspiring moment for black people, because yeah. I thought, well, if Obama can do it, then there's there's no telling what we can do. Right. But you have to understand about Obama's history. You have to understand where he came from. You have to know that Obama was propped up from the beginning. Oh, yeah. This was already set in stone. And so when you start to dig into that, and Cynthia McKinney is really good about talking about this topic, yeah. when you start to dig into that, you realize that he was he's just a prop. Same thing with Kamala Harris. They do the same thing with her. They're like, well, she's a black woman, and it's great to have a black woman as VP. And they want you just to focus on that so that you don't focus on the fact that She's actually not a good vice president and the yeah. policies that she implemented in California and how that affected black people and black single mothers in oh. California. That needs to be talked about. Kamala Harris should have never been put in that position. It is it's embarrassing. And now we see her poll numbers. She's like 28 percent approval rating. It's just it's it's terrible. It's mm -hmm. absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, and for uh, for all the faults of people like Tulsi Gabbard. During the 2020 primaries, when she went in on Kamala Harris, 
everything that Tulsi Gabbard said was absolutely true. Everything. Now, I'm not a fan of Tulsi Gabbard uh, because she's revealed herself to be, you know, kind of more of a right winger. But the the point is, is what she hit Kamala Harris with. And when you saw that crowd in the background say, ooh, you knew that she got her. And this is one of the reasons why Kamala Harris had to drop out of the primary. She couldn't even win her own home state of California, which is supposed to be a neoliberal paradise. And she couldn't win. Um, To get back to your point about Obama, the night he won, I was crying. I'll be real with you. I was. Because I didn't think that I would ever see a black president either. So I was just like, what in the hell? What's going on? And I was raised deeply religious and also to be apart from politics at all. So that's how I was raised. So for this, this was like massive to me. So if I were in the political space as a liberal, oh, dude, you would have saw me like having like the Obama shirt on and everything. You probably would have saw me, you know, I would have been, you know, worshiping the guy. Thank goodness, you know, I was raised, you know, in the religious organization that I was because, I probably would have been standing Obama at the time. And, and, and for me to see who he is now would have hurt even more. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so true. Um, I had an Obama bumper sticker. It never made it to my car. Maybe that should have been a sign for me. I, I don't know. Like it never <laughs> made it to my car. Yeah. And it just, to see someone like that just constantly be praised. Uh, it just, it, it's so frustrating I still can't get over what happened in 08, how he chose to bail out the banks instead of the American people. You guys have to understand, like, black people lost their homes. And yeah. Obama, <laughs> he gave the win to, to, to Wall Street. And this is what I was saying before about the banks. At the end of the day, the president of the United States does not run the country. It's the banks. It's the bankers. It's the, they're the ones that have, they have more money than Jeff Bezos. They will make Jeff Bezos look like peanuts. Yeah. So... To your point about Tulsi Gabbard calling out Kamala Harris, you know who didn't call out Kamala Harris during those debates? Bernie. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Now, Bernie Sanders knew that information just like Tulsi Gabbard did. Why didn't Bernie do that? Do you see? It? I, you know what? Part of me thinks that he felt bad because she signed on to Medicare for All as a co-sponsor. So he was probably like, well, she's signed as a, as a co-sponsor to Medicare for All, so maybe I should take it easy on her. And looking back, I would have been like, no, Bernie, no, you don't do that. No, you're going to go scorched earth. And I remember a tweet about this before Bernie dropped out. I said, I was like, shouldn't Bernie just go scorched earth on the entire Democratic Party and just like level them right now just so that he can win? And some people on the left were like, no, because we have to have unity and blah, blah, blah. One year later. (laughs) Right? And and it's just like, now look. And and even Biden won't even give us what he said he promised he was going to do. But everybody knew Biden was a liar in the first place. But yet people still fell for the BS. Um. So, yeah, I think having this unity with the Democratic Party is what got us into this situation to begin with. It's the whole vote blue no matter who, which only applies to certain blues, by the way. 
Yes. That didn't apply. That did not apply to Paula Jean Swearingen when she was running against Joe Manchin. It didn't apply to Paula Jean Swearingen when she ran the next time, and she was running against the Republican. Mm -hmm. So it just, the vote blue no matter who is vote blue for the Democratic establishment. Mm -hmm. So this whole unity thing with the Democratic Party is why we don't get anywhere as leftists and why we don't get any real wins. Yeah, and we don't. And, and, and really, in the Democratic Party, you never will. Because the left will never win in the Democratic Party, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I wanted to move on to my next question. Um, and this is in regards to your channel. And this is a question that I would like to find out for myself, as well as many people who are in the future who may be making their own channel. So what is one of the biggest learning curves that you had to learn when making your channel? Oh, man. Um, one of the things I found, and this is just from my experience, uploading a video and doing a live stream actually uh, can can help or hurt your channel. Hmm. So in the beginning, when I was doing news, I was doing uploads. Uh, if you go back, you have to go way back. Like my channel, you'll see where I started out interviewing candidates, like progressive candidates that were running grassroots campaigns. Um, I interviewed Mary Williamson back like way early on. And those were all recorded videos and they were uploads. Mm -hmm. What I learned is that once I started doing a live stream and I got that recommendation from Nick, he's like, you should go live. Mm -hmm. I was nervous to do that. But uh, luckily, Nick was on my first live stream. So he mm -hmm. gave me like that, that extra support that I needed. Mm -hmm. Once I started doing live streams, I started to get more views. Uh, and I could have done a video upload about something super popular that was trending that mm -hmm. day, just like everybody else, right? Just like Majority Report and all of them. But mm -hmm. I didn't get as many views as if I did a live stream. That told me something about the algorithm. Mm -hmm. So that is why a lot of times I see me continue to do live streams. Every now and then I'll take a clip from that live stream. Actually, Eric does this, not me. Mm -hmm. Take a clip from that live stream and upload it as a, a shorter segment mm -hmm. for people who can't watch the whole live stream. Mm -hmm. But in general, I've learned that live streaming is the best way to go for the algorithm. I also learned that you need to produce content more often. So I do content Monday through Friday. I skip Thursday night because that's when we have roundtable over RBN. Mm -hmm. On the weekends, I, I don't stream for the most part because mm -hmm. that's kind of time that I spend like with my husband. Um, but yeah, I'm not the best with the weekend. I just find weekends for me is really hard. Um, so that's kind of like my chill time, my downtime. And those are some of the things that that I've learned with it. It's very tricky. You have to be careful with the titles. Um, I highly recommend that you get TubeBuddy if you're doing this because that helps me out a lot. It lets yeah. me know like which words and phrases uh, they yeah. have scores for each of these, so it'll yeah. tell you if it's poor, if it's excellent. Um, so that helps me a lot. Uh, but number one, you have to be consistent. I yeah. try to live stream the same time every day mm -hmm. uh, except Fridays I'll, I do eight o'clock instead of seven o'clock mm -hmm. uh, but that's the thing about about YouTube the algorithm is everything and if you can't figure that part out it's going to be really difficult and I think this is why uh, some of these small channels mm -hmm. um, that do news and, and political commentary they should have way more subs than what they have right now and the reason why they don't is because YouTube actually changed their algorithm a couple of years ago 
Nico was actually one of the first people to find out that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that was when Nico went also went over to Rockfin and stuff like that. So I think it used to be that you, if I searched for Bernie Sanders in YouTube, I would get independent media. That's actually how I found like a lot of people yeah. was just putting in Bernie Sanders and like all these other independent channels would come up. Then they changed the algorithm and got to the point where if you put in someone like Bernie Sanders, you would get CNN, Fox News, you would get mainstream media. So they buried independent media in the algorithm. And that's why I tell people the live streams are very important. They're critical. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I've seen and used TubeBuddy and uh, other platforms, but unfortunately, I don't have it right now and it costs money and I can't afford it, but hopefully I'll be able to do that in the future. Um, but yeah, um, that is something that I think I have a bit of a, an advantage because being with RBN, I got to see how it worked in the background without necessarily being on my own, you know, having my own channel. And so, uh, I, I, from what I learned, I start, I started to take with me over to this channel. So, um, that's one of the things I'm grateful for. And also you taught me a lot too. So I'm just like, thank you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to extract, extract some of that knowledge out of your, out of your, out of your brain. So I just wanted to get that. Uh, and thank you so much for the answer to that question. Um, now this one, my next question is going to be a hypothetical. Okay. Uh, and I think people are going to be interested in hearing this one. So hypothetically, now we have a president Salvati, right? The United States. Don't spit out your tea, girl. Don't, don't, don't do it. (laughs) It's not good. It's not good for the algorithm. Okay, so it's January 20th, your inauguration day. What are the first three actions you're taking as president of the United States within your first 100 days? Oh, this is a no-brainer for me. Uh, Reparations, number one, for um, African Americans in this country. Mm -hmm. Two is health care for everybody in this country, not means tested. Mm -hmm. And then three is definitely like the wars have got to go the wars have got to go and the way that you can do that is cutting that pentagon budget you take that money and you implement it into other programs to help people in this country that will also cut back on these drone strikes and things like that that are going on because if they don't have the money to do it then they're not really doing it uh we are not at war Uh, i do not believe in war i don't think it's right and i think that this is something that the united states government has done for a long time to make excuses for not helping out the American people. Yeah. So those would be the three things that I would change. Yeah. I also think there's a few executive orders that you can also do like right on inauguration day <laughs> that I can, I can think of uh, one of them being probably student loan debt, right? Um, I forgot that one. Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. That one is something that, you know, can be done by executive order, the legalization of weed, Things like that. So, you know, but there's so many different things. And I think this is a question I'm going to ask everybody, whoever comes on, from their perspective, because you also get to find out, you know, what's heavy on their minds. Um, And yeah, like, for instance, reparations. 
is a huge thing. And the thing the thing is that it just imagine how it would actually literally boost the economy yep. if reparations was paid to to African Americans, you know, um if it was paid towards, you know, the indigenous people because what they gave back then was not accurate at all. Um and then you know, dare I say, reparations to a lot of South America because of the things that they've done to those countries to make them into um, dystopian nightmares. Right. And Haiti. Yeah. And Haiti, you know, so, uh, re- you know, reparations to Puerto Rico and, and Guatemala and um Hell, uh, Venezuela, because what the United States has been trying to do in Chile, you know. Yep. So, I mean, there's a lot to be done, but that can literally be done. And people can say, well, how are you going to pay for it? And we used to say, well, you know, the, the military budget, you know, everybody never, nobody ever asked that question. But now you get into a point where you start to learn about MMT. It's like, oh, shit, we even got to go that route. We can just say. The same way we pay for four trillion dollars last year during the whole uh, crisis with the stock market, we can do it that way too. You know, we paid four trillion dollars to prop up the stock market, and nobody batted an eye. But if we talk about giving health care for all, oh my God, it's too expensive. How are we going to pay for it? Really? So yeah, that was that was. And, and I, you know what I love? You came up with that right off the bat. You were like, this is easy. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom. I'm like, damn, I should have asked for five instead of three. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Savvy. Yeah, I know it's true. I've thought about this often. Like, it's just like, what would I do differently? Um, and Joe Biden is not using his executive power. Like, even with this Build Back Better, mm-hmm. you know, act, yeah. um, it's very frustrating to see so many people progressives in the house mm-hmm. uh, point the finger at Joe Manchin. Don't get me wrong. Joe Manchin is a tool, mm-hmm. but they are not pointing fingers at Joe Biden. And mm-hmm. there are things that Joe Biden can do. I talked about this last night on my show that he can do something similar to what Obama did mm-hmm. with the federal reserve. Yeah. And he can make this happen on his own. Yeah. Even when they're asked about Joe Biden, I saw this last night. Anna Presley was asked like, about Joe Biden is he complicit in this not fulfilling his promises mm-hmm. and she said this is about Joe Manchin I'm like no 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 it's also about Joe Biden because Joe Biden is just sitting back twiddling his thumbs and so when Charlemagne asked Kamala who's the president of the United States Joe Manchin or Joe Biden I'm sorry but that's a legitimate question it is <laughs> yeah and this is why I put a, I put this back up and I talk about this all the time rotating villain rotating villain this is what it was like what like when when Ayanna Presley was asked about Joe Biden failing to keep his promises and she went back to Joe Manchin. That was pure quintessential rotating villain tactics right there. Yep. And look, everybody, if you if you're watching and those of you who are listening right now on podcast, what is the definition of rotating villain? It says, in the American democracy, when the majority has enough votes to pass populist legislation, party leaders designate a scapegoat, i.e. Joe Manchin this time, 
who will refuse to vote with the party, thereby killing the legislation, which, by the way, just happened with Build Back Better. The opposition is otherwise inexplicable and typically comes from someone who is safe or not up for re-election. By the way, Joe Manchin is not up for re-election for, I think, another four years. This allows for maximum diffusion of responsibility. So you literally saw rotating villain happen in real time and people still fall for it. They're like, oh, Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin. What about Joe Biden? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what about the rest of the, the, the progressive Democrats who literally could have also voted as a block to stop everything just so that they can actually get the better parts of the Build Back Better legislation done. But they didn't bother. They just wanted to blame Joe Manchin. It's like... It's like... um, It's like having a, a dog in your house that is running amok and... You're literally holding the leash of the dog, but you're allowing it to run amok when you could just take it by the leash and put it out in the back backyard to clean up. But you keep going, but the dog, but the dog. Okay. <laughs> you're literally holding the leash, which means the power to control that dog. And you can literally put it out to pasture in the backyard and close that door and get things done. But you keep complaining about the dog. And it's like, we'll do something about it. But the dog, but the dog. Come on. Do you really expect us to keep falling for this BS? Sabby, do they really expect us to keep falling for it? They really do. Um, I love your analogies, JB, by the way. I always (laughs) love your, your analogies are like always spot on. Um, Yeah, I just, a lot of people will continue to fall for it because they're still watching mainstream media. And mainstream media is doing the same thing. I mean, they may ask a question here and there about Joe Biden, but they also know the person that they're talking to is going to push back. They're not going to say Joe Biden's at fault here. Their job, even the progressives, Mm -hmm. their job is to defend Joe Biden, regardless Mm -hmm. of what he does. Their job is not to shame him. Their job is to defend him at all costs, similar Mm -hmm. to the way that uh, Republicans defended Trump with all of his policies even the mm-hmm. ones that they knew he said things that was just absolutely uh, repulsive. They still defended him because that's what they do. They back their team. So mm-hmm. to see people like Anna Presley, Pramila Jayapal can just go kick rocks because her tweets are absolutely ridiculous. Even Jink Uger is calling Pramila Jayapal out now. Come on, come on. Like they, they, mm-hmm. are, they look really sad and pathetic. And quite frankly, this is absolutely embarrassing. What has happened with this Build Back Better Act? It wasn't a good bill to begin with. They removed mm-hmm. too many items from the bill. They were yeah. going to give people the bare minimum, not what was recommended yeah. by engineers, especially for inf- infrastructure and everything else. They pulled so much away from the bill. I said back then, just toss the bill. It's not worth it. It's trash. But they wanted to push this through anyway. And they couldn't even get trash passed. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. <laughs> they couldn't even get trash passed. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And they were claiming, oh, we were going to cut child poverty by half. Bullshit. It never happened. 
like, even that line is not something for them to brag about because no. you're leaving the other half of the population of children in poverty. That's not a bragging point. No, Democrats it's not. Don't understand that. I, I don't know what else to say to them. I'm like that. You sound really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I fed one of my kids. I got two kids. I fed one. <laughs> Give me some credit, will you? Oh my god. It's crazy, right? Ah, oh, jeez, Louise. Okay. All right. So, I wanted to get to my next question. Yes, I have another one. <laughs> so, this one is is very easy. Or not. What is the one food that Sabby can't live without? No, JB. Yeah. Like food, 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 food. Come on, homie. Oh, man. It has to be lasagna, man. Oh snap! You are, you like Garfield? Oh my goodness. I am. I'm like a female Garfield. Like I make a pretty good lasagna. Like it, it, it has to be. It's everything. I like layers. You know, there's a little bit of meat here, a little bit of ricotta here. You know, you got your pasta. Come to the next layer, a little bit here. It's so cute and adorable, and sometimes it looks so nice. <laughs> that I want to eat it, but I'm like, I'm going to eat it. Savvy's just said lasagna is cute and adorable. I've never heard lasagna described in such a way. Cute and adorable. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it is attractive looking when you cut it out in a nice square, but yeah, that's so the cool. first. It's, it's the same way. It looks like cutting cake. Like, I love it. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, that's great. Um, and what is... <sighs> I took this one from, uh, from Inside the Actor's Studio. So credit out there to the late James Lipton. What is your favorite curse word? Man. Uh, can I, I can say it on here? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, probably fuck. <laughs> okay. Um. I, I live I live uh, in the Boston area, and that word is used quite often. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I'm from Jersey. We use it very often too. That means we cousins. <laughs> and this is my final official question. Um, it starts off kind of morbid, but stay with me here. You're on, after a long, living a long life, you're on your deathbed and you're reflecting on how you lived your life. What is the one thought that you want people to remember about Savvy? Damn, JB. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think I I would like for people to remember that regardless of like their opinion of me, that I tried my best to fight uh, for people in this country, for working class people in this country, um, for people's rights. I want Mm -hmm. people to remember me as a fighter, not someone who just does a podcast. That's beautiful. Yeah. That you want it people to to reflect that you you did your best to try to change the world in a positive way 
Yeah. 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 It it's not it's not the easiest road to take, but just because it's not the easiest doesn't mean it shouldn't be done, you know? So Right. Yeah, yeah. Knowing what I know, like being in this space, I wanna say this to um everyone watching. Once you do this and once you know how things really work and what's going on uh, in reference to politics and, and the money uh, in this country, once you see it, it's really hard to unsee it. And I think it would be I would it would do a disservice once you know this information, if you don't spread this information to other people that, you know, and make other people aware. Mm. Uh, we shouldn't just keep it to ourselves, like in our bubble on the left. We need to tell as many people about this as possible, because most people I talk to, they don't know about the money. Believe yeah. it or not, they really don't know. Mm. And I think it's important that we, we we spread that message, that we create awareness as much as possible. That's very true. Uh, you know, so that at the end of our at the end of our you know existence we can say that we told people and that they can't say that we didn't know right right um, look it, at it from like a, a a missionary perspective right so uh i grew up in the church and one of the things that was preached to us a lot is we needed to spread that message right mm -hmm. so we had groups in our church that went on missionary uh they went to different countries to educate them mm -hmm. um about like uh the bible and mm -hmm. and this is another case of, of mutual aid because they would go to other countries and they would help out those people in, in those countries with mutual aid as well, too. But um, mm -hmm. whether you're religious or not, I have a point here, I promise. But it, it's similar to that that aspect. Like when you think about the church and you think about like those religious groups, how they go to other countries and they spread that message. Mm -hmm. We don't have to physically go to those other countries anymore. We have a lot of technology. I want us to think about that on the left as well. I want us to spread this message to as many people as possible, not just people in the United States, but also educate people abroad as well. Yeah. Um, I like what Eric Thomas said. He said, number one job of leftists is to create more leftists. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the really the easiest way to do that is just tell the truth. That's all we do. We just tell the truth. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's, 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 it's like what I love how Jasana says this is decolonize your mind. You know, because I think we. The system that we live in in the United States is a system that inculcates young people to think as a colonizer, to be a colonizer. And once you start to look through eyes of empathy and compassion, you realize that being and acting as a colonizer is unempathetic and it lacks compassion because then you start to see the suffering of other people and it hurts your heart that you're hurting people for the sake of your own personal gain. Mm -hmm. And as we continue to uh, think about 
our personal actions, then you get to a point where you start to realize, well, no, this this is wrong. And you may feel it at one point, but you don't necessarily act upon it because you're afraid of being ostracized. You're afraid of being uh, vilified by your peers. But then you start to see it happen so much to the point where you're just like, fuck it. I'm calling it out. This isn't right. But then you have some very powerful people out there that they know it's not right. And they do not like people who call it out. We know a lot of them other names who did call it out because a lot of them were assassinated. Mm-hmm. Or they were silenced. They were vilified. They were taken off the air. Even some people who saw this type of system and how bad it was, and bad it is, I should say, some of them were heads of state. And some of those heads of state were assassinated. Mm-hmm. So even if you're probably the most powerful person in your country, if you call this colonization, this system of capitalism out guess what CIA is knocking at your door FBI is knocking at your door it doesn't matter who because the thing is that they feel that the system is right because many of those people have been propagandized to think so yep yeah. absolutely we have to to get back to the teachings of Dr. King and uh, Malcolm X and the things that they did try to warn us about yeah. that these things would happen uh, They saw those things earlier on and I think it's really important to note that on the left We're not organized And when I brought up the example of the church and missionaries They're organized the church yeah. is organized. Yeah, we are not organized on the left We have a, a huge split based on personalities of podcasters. You have people on one side, you have people on another side. This is why we don't get anything done. We are yeah. focused on that instead of focusing on the issues. So people can't even come together on the issues because mm-hmm. they don't want to be seen with another person on the mm-hmm. other side. Yeah. This is not working. <laughs> like this is not working. And I've said this before. I don't care whether I like someone or not. If you were to contact me to do something for uh, an event or something that is going to really help people, an issue, for example, healthcare, obviously, of course, like I would do it. I would be there. But you have this big split on the left right now. And until you find a way to bridge that gap and bring those people together, I don't see how we're going to be organized. I really don't. There is a class divide. There's a podcaster personality divide. Uh, there is a electoral politics divide. Like some of us are just done with trying to put people through the Democratic Party. So unless we find some type of common ground, I don't see us becoming organized. And if we do not become organized, I do not see us implementing any type of change. Yeah. Um and I say this openly, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. And if you want to know, if you want to see some organizing, 
oh my gosh, mm-hmm. can build a church in two weeks flat. Yep. After that foundation's poured, two weeks, boom, up and running. Next thing you know, they're having their first meeting. So, and I grew up around that for over 20 years, right? I was literally a Joe's witness for 20 years. I preached door to door. So yeah, when people, it comes, well, I was going to say, people have to understand that like rather uh, Chris likes Joe on the choir or not, when it's time to get things done as a church, mm-hmm. they come together to get things done. Yeah. Doesn't mean everybody's buddy buddy with each other, mm-hmm. but when it comes to the mission at hand, mm-hmm. that gets accomplished. But but what is it that brings them together? You know, why are they all part of that church? Mm-hmm. You know, it's for that higher purpose, right? So if that's the case, then if we all believe in the same higher purpose as far as healthcare for everybody, ending these wars reparations for you know uh disenfranchised people i say disenfranchised because black people and indigenous people um you know uh we believe in giving people more freedom of movement so we can have a a mass public transit we believe in ending you know this this climate change debacle that we're going through so if we believe largely on all these things we can come together Yes, will there be some other issues in between us that are differences as far as strategy and things like that? Yes, but at the same time, we're all pushing for the same goal. And this is one of the credits that I'll give the um, to um, uh, case study QB mm-hmm. is that he he said the same thing, you know, and. I may not fully be invested in electoral politics, but talk to me about local and I'll be like, oh, well, <laughs> hell yeah. If Especially if you can run either a Green Party or a third party or something like that, definitely. Because ultimately, you know, we need to put somebody on the inside at the foundational level and they need to coordinate with us, you know, that are out in the streets, Yep. The, the problem is, is that, and I said this before, we're so fo- focused on building the roof that we don't have the foundation board yet. There you go. And how can you do that? You know, so I don't care if you have to 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 run as a socialist dog catcher, do it. There's also no leader. I mean, Bernie Sanders was leading this movement, and then when he suspended his campaign, he decided not to lead this movement anymore. Mm-hmm. There were multiple things that he could have done. He could have talked about the Medicare for all marches. Mm-hmm. He could have got which was on his, so huge on his platform for him to not even tweet about it. Mm-hmm. Just goes to show you where their loyalty really lies. Yeah. Now, at that point, if you're Bernie Sanders age, you're past retirement age. What do you have to lose? Yeah. So. It just there's nobody leading this. People are doing their own thing. It's it's a hot mess. Yeah, but we got to keep talking about it because if we keep talking about it, then you know maybe you know hopefully we can influence that change so that people come together, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. Well, I'm. You believe it or not, it's almost been an hour. Um, and just for these last couple minutes, I would just like for them to tell them where they can find you 
and how, you know, there are times they can tune in and whatnot. Absolutely. You can find me on Revolutionary Blackout Network with JB. I'm on there Thursdays for the roundtable and Friday for the Savvy Show at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm -hmm. And then you can find me on my channel, Savvy Sabs, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And tonight I am going to have Shahid, blah, blah, blah. Shahid Buttar is coming on. Uh, he is going to expose some corruption about Ooh. Nancy Pelosi. Do not miss that. That is going to be important. Uh, we're also going to talk about Rahm Emanuel uh, being confirmed um, and Joe Biden's new approval rating, which just came out this morning. And then mm -hmm. tomorrow, Aaron Maté will be on. Wow. Some, wow. some big names. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, I, it, and uh, to everybody, also make sure to subscribe to Savvy's Patreon. She has a Patreon as well. Um, and she's also on Rockfin. So consider going know. there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got you know, I got to get you. I got you, homegirl. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I do not know who my next guest is next week. But I haven't had guests so far <laughs> until now. So, hey, if you guys want to come back just to see me. Hey, hi. Come back to see me. Um, but, yeah, I will be, of course, live on Tuesday at... Uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You also can catch me as well on Revolutionary Blackout Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the JB Show. Um, and just wanted to make sure uh, that I got um, you know everybody in the chat. Thank you so much for you guys being here for this stream. Kind of monumental because you know Savvy is a monumental person. Oh. And once again, I'd like to thank, you know, you for being here. Um, and by the way, if you guys wish to support me further, further, ugh. see, now I'm I passed it, it on. <laughs> <laughs> once again, if you like my content, if you wish to support me further, you can buy me a coffee on coffee. Uh, it's in the ticker down here um, that you see sliding across the screen. Um and yeah so uh, also if you're you know listening on podcast platform then if you wish to you can also subscri subscribe um again i'm on you know things like apple podcasts um spotify google podcasts and many other different ones as well if you guys like to go ahead and subscribe on there as well so um like we, like Sabi always says, have a good night. Sabi? Keep up the fight. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs>